everyone, and welcome to the Rising Stars Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Moriarty, and today I am super excited to be celebrating one year of the Rising Stars Podcast. We published our first episode on April 21st, 2021, and wow, I really need to thank all of our listeners, our community, our partners for participating on the podcast and helping us make it what it is. Over the past year, we've we've covered so many topics from things that ISVs need to succeed, marketing tips for VARs, the crazy change in restaurant and retail experiences due to COVID and uh, which of those trends are going to outlast COVID and stick around and which might be um, reverting back to what it was before. We talked about the payment industry. We talked about cannabis technology, lots and lots of topics covered. And I'm so excited for another year of great cutting edge topics with awesome guests, lots of knowledge experts and technology experts in our point of sale and retail restaurant technology world. So for those that have not been with us since the start of Rising Stars, what we are going to do today is play some clips from our top five episodes. So we're going to get started with coming in at number five is optimizing the dine-in restaurant experience. This interview was with Jackie Yamada. He is with Star Micronics. He um, works out of our Japan headquarters. He's been with Star for many years. He's come over to the U.S. and helped our marketing and business development team um, excel over here. So we're going to hear about kind of the trends that we were seeing in this past year with the dine-in restaurant experience. All right, Jackie. So I want to shift gears a little bit. We've talked a lot about the actual restaurants and, you know, Mm -hmm. the experience that they're providing to their diners. And obviously it's our responsibility as a point of sale vendor um, to kind of assist them with those solutions. So Mm -hmm. what do you think that vendors like us and ISVs can do to provide a a better dine-in experience? Yes. So, well, you know, in terms of dining experience, I think the important point is how to provide customer satisfaction. You know, I mean, the fun experience, so user experience. So maybe I can say it's kind of the entertainment things. Uh, on the other hand, you know, thinking about the in-store operation, because, you know, we are the POS hardware and software solution manufacturer. So I am always thinking about the store operation. So I, and I suggest at the same time, we should think about all things, meaning that you know, dining experience, you know, delivery uh, things, takeaway orders, you know, reservation, hospitality, uh, maybe the food quality, serving payment, you know, the human resource management and CRM, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, today, you know, there are a lot of things, right? But there are a lot of great services. And, uh, you know, it is possible to combine those all services, for example, by using APIs. So, but the key point is how to utilize those services as one solution, not the one by one individual solution. So please imagine your restaurant manages both dining and delivery customers. And let's say, you know, me, myself as a customer. So maybe, you know, let's say this week I order food via delivery application. And next week I go to the physical restaurant and order from the table. So that's the same customer. It's me, right. but it's not so easy to manage me as a one same customer on the system, right? 
So I think it's really a critical thing. So maybe you might be missing important facts for making your strategy if you cannot analyze this type of fact. But on the other hand, if you know this fact, and maybe you could say to me when I go there, you know, hey, Jacques, so thank you for coming and thank you for ordering the last week via delivery application. So maybe you had a party with your friend and how was the food? Mm-hmm. something like that and that that small conversation makes me a little bit happy and more stick to your restaurant so i, I mean this is a kind of you know the one of the great hospitality thing for me and you know i think the hardware uh, uh i can say the same thing you know as well so imagine you know using the hardware that can be connected to various services is much simpler than preparing 10 or more devices that only connect one service one by one, right? So, or, you know, I think the hardware should be more have a functionality or, uh, you know, the common trigger interface for all services. And how can, you know, how can our device connect to various services locally or via the cloud easily and seamlessly? So that's my point. And I'm thinking about how, Star solution can be that position and how we can contribute to the lesson. So that's my thought. Yep. Yeah. You you bring up a really great point about, you know, the disconnect again between the mm-hmm. online ordering versus dine-in. Like you yep. said, you order online through a delivery service from that restaurant one day and go in the following day and dine in, and they have no idea that you were yesterday's customer. Yes. Um, so there's definitely a need for the online ordering systems to be better integrated with the point of sale or their loyalty. And it makes me think of the word omni-channel, which is so commonly used in Mm -hmm. retail. Everyone Mm -hmm. talks about how you need a good omni-channel solution or strategy for retail, but it's not really talked about in the restaurant space. Everyone kind Mm -hmm. of looks at the, you know, dine-in and online ordering experience really separately. And Mm -hmm. like you said, to get, customers the full experience that they want they need to come together Um, that's true yep so what other solutions do you think are needed to kind of do that so first of all you know the today there are a lot of great services and there are a lot of web apis so let's say so i think we do not need to think about just one solution provided by only us so right. we should work together with our partners. You know, the maybe I can say, you know, Star is really good at this area. So yeah. like, you know, of course the printer and some other hardware things. And we could make the SDK or some APIs as well. And then we bring it to the our customers like ISBs. And then ISBs combine our solutions. And then they make it, you know, the more, you know, uh, flexible and more valuable. So that's my strategy. That's my thought. So I, it is not so easy to say uh, what is the right solution mm-hmm. uh, today, but I believe the working together with our partner is the better way to find out the new normal. All right, and coming in at number four is evolving technology in the cannabis industry. This interview was with John Bachinoff, who is the CEO and founder of AppSpensary, and he is going to talk to us about um, some of the trends in cannabis technology, the fact that you can get 
cannabis delivered to you now, which is pretty incredible. So without further ado, we will play this clip with John. What are some of the other challenges that cannabis dispensaries are facing today with point of sale and just the evolution of that technology? Yeah, right now, point of, uh, cannabis point of sale companies, they primarily use third-party software providers for the online ordering. You know, mm-hmm. through, they work through an API. Sometimes the data doesn't pass correctly between the point of sale and the online menu. So meaning you know, whatever the consumer sees online, there's a, there could be a chance that it's not in stock. Right. All right. Um, from an evolution standpoint, our technology bundles these two together. So online ordering and, and point of sale, mm-hmm. a two-in-one type deal, ensuring, ensuring the accuracy for what's in store and making sure that what's in store is on the online menu. Okay, great. So it seems like the online ordering is kind of a, a really big piece of the app dispensary model. And I've seen a lot of shifting towards that, especially during the pandemic. Um, but as we kind of talked about, you know, it's still very much seen as a cash only industry. So tell me about how you guys designed the payment piece of your online ordering solution and how that works. Yeah, absolutely. So the payment side, um, was actually our first partner, a company called Hyper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a car not present solution, a uh, bank-to-bank transfer. Okay. So essentially how Hyper works, it's pretty simple. The cannabis consumer, they deposit funds into their Hyper wallet account. Mm-hmm. Um, at time, uh, when they click pay with Hyper at checkout, there's a four-digit, uh, they call it a PAC number, a PAC number. It's okay. similar to a PIN number. And that um, initiates transferring the funds from the cannabis consumer's account directly into the uh, dispensary's bank account. Very interesting. And this type of method is completely legal um, in the dispensary space. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I've heard about a lot of different solutions. I've heard, you know, dispensaries that will ring up the transaction as like a gift card transaction and then use that for the payment. And I know that that's been a huge issue um, in that space. So, um, what made you guys decide to partner with hyper? Yeah, they, they were leading the space. Um, I was living in Arizona at the time and I saw that their payment model mm-hmm. inside, inside the dispensary. And then, you know, we started our company and I started researching, uh, car, not present transactions because people need to order online and, you know, pay online as well and, you know, get it delivered to the house. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you know, I was just, uh, looking through different uh, providers and hyper seemed like they were they're leading the industry when it comes to cashless payments. Okay, very cool. Um, I, aside from the fact that you can pretty much buy anything online these days, um, what is it that makes online ordering so important um, and such an important feature for cannabis dispensaries and for your point of sale platform? Yeah, it uh, increases sales. It creates client retention. Absolutely. Um, you know, having your dispensary branded app live on the cell phone home screen is big. The app logo, it, it, it acts like a, a mini billboard for the dispensary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime the consumer is scrolling through their phone, there's a good chance they'll see the logo of the dispensary. Obviously, when the dispensary is one click away, sales are just naturally going to grow organically. 
All right. And number three is digital marketing do's and don'ts for bars and ISVs. This is one of my favorite interviews that I've done. It is with James Cordy of Blue Star, who in my opinion, is a marketing genius. So if any of you listeners are looking to improve your marketing strategies, this is a interview that you'll definitely want to tune in for the full episode, but we'll give you a little taste of it right now. So we talked about the mistakes that ISVs and bars might be making in their digital marketing. And I think we're, we're definitely both in agreement on the big one is not investing in it or not taking it seriously. And a lot of these guys, you know, they're smaller, they're startups, they don't have all the resources to invest. So for those smaller companies or someone that just doesn't have a lot of background in marketing, what would your advice be for them getting started? Sure. So I'll echo what I said and then I'll move beyond it because I don't want to beat the drum too hard. Right. Even if you and I were starting a company and we had four people, one of those people needs to be your, you know, executive level marketing. It should be mm-hmm. baked into the company um, because I think that person can be your strategic thinker. They can then pull in freelance resources, more junior ones to get, you know, the, the work done. Um, so that's the first, you know, the first thing as far as I get it. The companies are small. And I think that's mm-hmm. an easy excuse to say we're small. And what, what when they say we're small and we don't have marketing resources, what I hear is you're not prioritizing it. So right. already said, I'll move on. But let's just say then that you are that very typical entrepreneur. And by that, I mean, you do it all. Mm-hmm. You are the salesperson, you're the support person. And on some days you're the marketing person as well. Um, what I would suggest in terms of going and learning some of the methodology I'm a concept learner, meaning I can go and I don't have to have all of the information between, you know, why step one and step two happens. If I just understand that step one and step two are happening, I can do the research to figure out why and how to get, you know, from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my biggest suggestions for someone just looking to learn in terms of, hey, how should we be thinking about marketing, whether it's planning or execution? Um, I'm a huge, we use HubSpot at Blue Star. I'm a big fan. There are any number of tools similar to HubSpot that are also great. What I don't know about those, but I do know about HubSpot is that HubSpot has a library of free certifications. Everything from email marketing to inbound marketing, you know, methodology conceptual wise. This stuff is so good. I Mm -hmm. mean, not only is it great marketing because it indoctrinates you to their way of thinking, but it's the right way to think. Like HubSpot was built by very, very smart people and and Marketo and a lot of these other companies, they all have similarly awesome tools. But like I said, HubSpot's free certifications would be an awesome place for that person that just wants to learn on their own and figure out, okay, I'm not ready to hire someone in marketing yet, or maybe I am going to go, hey, you know what, James? Uh, that, I'm great. That's your opinion. But you know what? I'm going to go hire some freelancers to create an ebook, you know, to get this stuff set up. It is doable for the person with the strategic knowledge. And I think that's what doing some of this stuff, that's where it can get you to go, okay, conceptually, I understand content marketing. I can't go and, you know, do it all, lay out the design myself. I might not even be able to write the copy, but I know what we need. I know what the end goal is. I can get us there. Mm-hmm. Um, Google also has uh, I'm aware of two because I've I've gone through them a couple of years back. They have a certification for their analytics tool, so Google Analytics, which everyone knows about, and then they also have one for their um, paid search ads. I also believe they have like a mobile website one or something. All as far as yeah, I remember, they have a few for sure. Yeah, I'm sure they're continuing to build them out. And then shameless plug, and I'm not connected to this podcast at all. I just think it is the very best podcast that I've started listening to in the last couple of years. 
There's one called uh, B2B Marketing Leaders Podcast. Okay. Um, there's a guy named Dave Gearhart. If you don't listen to it, Rihanna, you got, you've got to. I mean, yes, I will add it to my list. <laughs> I'm making notes and I'm learning. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's really cool. But this guy, Dave, he's the CMO of, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm going to fail to remember what his company is. He would be upset if he knew that I'm like, hey, I know him. I know his podcast, but I forget his company. They're, a, they're an application that works with Shopify. They're like, you know, built for Shopify plugin kind of thing. But he's the ex CMO at Drift. Which I don't know if you're familiar. They're the jet, the chatbot uh, software that we right, use. Up. Right. Uh, he worked at HubSpot as a product marketing guy, so he's a real good guy. But what he does is he brings CMOs, CROs, CEOs, but mostly CMOs on, and just runs down like the super tactical. How many people are on your team? How are they designed? Who reports to who? How often do you meet with them? And it's it's excellent. So again, for me, being a conceptual learner, I don't need all the details. I just need smart people to say we do it this way, and I go, okay, I'm going to go you know, look into that and figure it out. Right. So HubSpot certifications, Google certifications. And obviously I'm a big fan of podcasts. The B2B Marketing Leaders podcast comes highly recommended. All right. And number two is putting the value back in bar. This interview is with Ben Eaton, and he is one of our value added resellers in the UK. Um, so he works with our Star Micronics team over in Europe. Um, they've done a really good job um, throughout COVID and even beyond that with, you know, really providing that value added service to their customers. So it seems like there's a lot of pressure on bars, at least in the US. I, I assume that you guys are kind of experiencing the same thing in the UK um, with competing with big marketplaces like Amazon or eBay. So how do you guys provide a value to your customers other than just moving product? So one of the things we do first of all is to make sure every printer we ship out is going to be compatible for the customer's needs. So we don't actually ship out a printer without giving the customer a phone call. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, the, the printers or the star printers can be used for a variety of different applications. And the specific applications that they're being used in will determine what printer they have to go for. Mm -hmm. And often, uh, often developers or software companies will tell the customer, you need to go for a star TSP 100, but not actually detailing exactly what connection it needs, right. what, what they require. So the amount of times we get customers who will order a a TSB 100, and they'll go just for the USB one because it's the cheapest option. So for them, that's the perfect one to go for. But actually, they're using it, say, for Uber Eats, which needs to be Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. Therefore, so you give them a call, make sure you know what they're, they're using it for, make sure you understand sort of the ISV or the application they're going to be using as well. We can make sure everything we're shipping out to the customer is going to be correct, specific for their needs. And right. also save issues of having to send stuff back, having to place reorders. It's, it's just really helpful for them. Another thing we offer is after-sales support. So a big challenge you get with people ordering these sort of printers is they've never actually used receipt printers before. Mm -hmm. So getting a printer on their desk in the box, they don't really know how to get it set up and working. And in reality, the softwares they're using, the, the whatever it might be they're using, they don't really have instructions and support of how to actually get that working. Mm -hmm. So we can the support and, and the help to actually get it working, how to, even the simple thing of putting the receipt roll in the, in the printer, some customers can get confused putting it the wrong way around. It, all the little things we can help with. And we offer them lifetime support as well. So for any reason that printer goes down in any time in that printer's life, we'll always be there on a phone call, always there help, helping them out. 
Right. I think that's one of the number one complaints that I hear from ISVs that are pushing product through marketplaces like Amazon. Um, you know, they end up spending more time than they'd like on support because, like you said, uh, an end user, they don't really understand or know the different interfaces or specific workings in which type of printer or or any type of product works with the software. So they're just going and searching, like you said, TSP 100, they might not think, you know, they need a specific interface or um, accessories with it. And then, you know, ISVs, especially the small operating ones, they don't want to spend all their time on support. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. And, you know, that's why I always say if you just, it, it might cost a little more with a bar, but it ends up saving you so much time in, in the end. Yeah. And, and it's the ability as well. So ordering something on, on Amazon is great. You get it, you get it next day, you get it straight away. Huh. But not, or not having that, that help and all, almost no instructions, it's just almost impossible to do it. And actually also on Amazon, you'll find that a lot of times you're buying from, from companies like ourselves, but they don't really have the, the knowledge on the printers as well. So they've got some stock there. It's not great stock because they're not taking, as we do, live information from all the distribution. So they've got a little bit of stock there that they can ship out straight away for you. You yeah. get it next day. We can still do next day. So we can still compete on getting it straight away for you. We can still compete on the Amazon level of, of shipping. But then we can offer that level of support that just makes us uh, hopefully a better option for going for. Right. So you did mention that you don't, you guys don't sell a customer, um, a printer, or any type of product until you know exactly what software they're working with and kind of the requirements. So what does that, um, I guess, like discovery phase look like? So what we do, so basically, when if an order comes in online, it comes in on our um, online system and we can see all the orders as they come in. What we have is actually a query system. So for all star printers, they essentially go into a query. So they can't be accepted until one of us has spoken to the customer and actually understands exactly how they're using that printer. And most of the time, as I said, it'll be um, someone ordering a, a printer for Uber Eats. Maybe they've ordered a USB one, maybe they know what they're doing, and ordered the Bluetooth one. We will get to grips and understand exactly what they're doing, make sure they've ordered the exact right printer um, for the ISV they're using or the software, whatever it might be, just to make sure they know exactly what they're doing to make sure that printer's going out correctly for them. And it saves some time because getting a printer again from e eBay um, or Amazon and you buy a USB printer and it needs to be Bluetooth, you're going to spend an hour, two hours before you figure out actually it's the completely wrong printer. You're going to be trying to get it set up and working. Okay. And it's just going to be really frustrating. You're going to have an awful time. And number one is actually our very first episode. So this episode was recorded just about a year ago now, and that is Everything ISVs Need to Succeed with our own John Levin. He is the Director of Product Management and pretty much um, our ISV genius over here. He works with all of our software developers, making sure that stars providing the right technology that they need to serve their retail and restaurant customers and helping them to develop their software to do just that. When you think about it, before tablet point of sale, you were talking kind of PC, Mac, Linux software. And in most of those cases, you're, you're using a, a printer driver to print. You know, those Windows has a very sophisticated printing system just built into the operating system. You load your star printer driver and your printer just works. Right. Um, 
you know, so that was mostly how people were, were printing back then. Um, and it, of course, it was very important to work with, with software companies, companies, make sure our, our printers were certified with their software. But once you start having the mobile point of sale applications, the, the iOS and Android ones, you had to, the, the point of sale developers had to take printer code, code for a printer or an SDK and build that into their application. And mm -hmm. if they didn't do that, your printer or other point of sale hardware just doesn't work with that software. Right. So it went from becoming important to, to work with ISVs and, and have good relationships and certify to being absolutely mission critical, um, you know, kind of an existential thing. So yeah, that, that really accelerated the need for us to have a, a really dedicated team focusing on supporting our ISV partners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you've been with Star for a while. Um, you've kind of shifted some roles. How long would you say you've been working directly with the ISVs? And what do those relationships look like? Yeah, I, I had to look at my own LinkedIn profile to, to remember. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, but I, I came to, I think, 11 years I've been working with with our ISV partners. Wow. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's been really exciting to work with these companies because you know, I kind of, as I kind of alluded to, that they're really the center of, of the point of sale world now. Um, mm -hmm. they, they really dictate everything um, and have the, the main relationship with the end users. So my relationship with the ISVs, I, I kind of think of myself as a bit of a, a technology consultant. So, you know, typically I'll, I'll start a relationship with a, an ISV or re-engage with someone we've worked with in the past. And, you know, I'll start with just a phone call, just a, a really a, a, a consultation um, to understand what they're trying to do and how we can help. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of, you know, a lot of the job is, is really trying to understand the needs of our ISVs um, and how that relates to point of sale hardware in uh, a lot of the tools that we've developed for that. Um, and then really it's, it's kind of because, you know, in, in many cases, we're that first introduction that an ISV has into into the star world, um, mm -hmm. we're kind of an introduction to the, to the stars channel. You know, many of these ISV, especially the startups just aren't, these aren't your, your, your typical ISVs that have been in the VAR channel for, for decades, right? These are right. new companies that are focused on software and aren't really necessarily thinking about the channel or, or have any idea, you know, who the point of sale distributors are and, and things like that. So, you know, we'll start those conversations to just help introduce that ISV into the star world, uh, not just about printers and point of sale hardware and SDKs and drivers and all the techie kind of stuff that's our specialty, but really show them um, the whole value we can provide. Um, and of course, uh, the Empower program, our partnership program, all the, the value that provides and the, and the tools that are available uh, to mm -hmm. these ISVs. So especially the, um, the younger ISVs and the startups, they, right. they just have no idea and it's such a value to them. So we try and be that kind of ambassador mm -hmm. uh, to, to the channel in a way. Yeah, I see that a lot on my end too. I think a lot of the, the newer startup ISVs kind of come into the channel not knowing, you know, the, the depth of it. Um, you know, from the distributor side to bars and, you know, working together with your vendors, there's so much involved. Um, so I guess with that said, some of, 
either the smaller ISVs or really anyone, what would you say is the number one mistake that you see ISVs making when they try to enter into the POS space? You know, I, I've seen this over and over again, um, especially in kind of a, a tech boom. Um, and, and I mean that in, in kind of, we'll take the, the MPOS uh, wave, for example. Um, you know, in the last, gosh, decade now, almost decade, right, that every, everyone's been talking about tablet point of sale and mobile devices and mobile point of sale, now cloud and things like that. Um, you, you just, you see a lot of people jump on the bandwagon and a lot of Me Too products. So, you know, I, I think where people fail is they, they aren't, they aren't focused or they aren't listening to their market or their segment of the market. Um, maybe it's their, you know, if they're kind of focused on a local region or a very specific uh, or specific parts of the market, micro verticals, mm -hmm. um, and, and the specific needs of those verticals, that's where people kind of fail, where they try and just do the, the shotgun approach, like, oh, I can build a, a point of sale iPad app and people like iPads, so they're going to buy it and they're going right. to use it. You, you really need to focus on, on what your customer base or your target customer base really needs. What are the problems they have with mm -hmm. what's out there today? You know, what are they complaining about? What, what pain points do they have? And, you know, as an ISV, how are you going to solve those pain points? Regardless of, of what technology or devices or platforms that you're going to use, um, start with the pain points first, start with the customer first, and then build your solution around that. And that's where I've seen people be successful versus people that, you know, kind of languish in the market or just never really take off. All right. So that was our top five episodes um, for our first year of Rising Stars. I'm so excited for the second year. We're going to be covering, like I said, lots of really fun and interesting topics about the retail space, how to build a VAR channel, and much, much more. And most importantly, I want to know what you guys want to hear. So if you have a topic or a guest that you really want to hear from, please email it to marketing at starmicronics.com. And if you submit a topic that you might want to hear, you might receive a little reward or prize. So thanks everyone for tuning in and celebrating one year of Rising Stars with me. For more information on Star Micronics, you can visit our website at starmicronics.com or you can visit us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks everyone. Bye.